the Truth News Network. A president lies. You know he's lying. He knows you know he's lying. And you know he knows you know. So what do you do? Hmm? You might want to figure it out. How about someone telling the truth? We can help you with that. We're TNN, the Truth News Network. And the man you can rely on is Dan Newman. That's a big question. What are we going to do? Well, let's just do this. Let's make some firm observations and some choices made on those observations that we make. Objective observations. You know that truth thing. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Friday. We wrap up our week at Truth News Network, TNN Live. Thank you for joining us for doing just that. And, of course, the 900-pound gorilla in the room, the newsroom, everybody's talking about what's going on in Ukraine. Vladimir Putin, the bully from Russia, is getting slapped in the face by a little bitty nation that isn't very well armed, thanks to the United States of America and our feckless partners in NATO. What did we send Ukraine in the way of assistance to help them lash out against this bully from Moscow? What do we send them? Certainly nothing they asked for. What did the German people send them? I mean, Germany's right there, and they're the big powerhouse in Northern Europe and NATO, right? You know what? They sent the Ukrainian military to help them in their struggle against an invasion by Russia. They sent them combat helmets. I'm serious, folks. That's what Germany sent Ukraine. And that just reminds me of what Joe Biden and Barack Obama did back in 2014 when, guess who, Vladimir Putin decided to invade the eastern part of Ukraine and they took Crimea by force. Back then, the Ukrainian government reached out to Barack Obama and Joe Biden looking for some military assistance and they specifically asked for that weapon that was developed by whoever developed it, but we have a bunch of them. They are rockets that javelin rocket rockets that are designed to take out tanks specifically russian tanks they begged barack obama and joe biden to send us some of those javelin rockets and guess what joe and barack gave them blankets yeah we're the big brother we're looking out for those that are less fortunate and weaker than we are We're just helping the bully. And folks, I got to be honest with you. This is stuck in my craw. We're not going to spend the whole show talking about Ukraine. I don't want to go there. But I want everybody that's part of this family at Truth News Network to understand that little bitty nation of 43 million people. They are standing up against the bully. And in many cases, they're standing alone. Ukrainian people, 137 so far have been confirmed. Ukrainian military members have been killed in this attack by Vladimir Putin. An unprovoked attack, by the way. And guess what's happened? The bully's gotten hit in the face a bunch. And he's finding out it's not going to be so easy 
as he thought it was going to be, that he could just send those Russian tanks. They're so infamous for they love to go into towns in a parade formation, especially big cities when they take over a country or invade and just really look cool. The midget, Vladimir Putin, he's got the Napoleon syndrome. He's a little bitty guy and he wants everybody to think he's not a little bitty guy. So he just blusters. And guess what those Ukrainian people did as those Russian tanks decided they would cross bridges into downtown Kiev, the capital. They blew up the bridges. The tanks can't get into downtown. And by the way, the rockets that Ukraine already had, they took down a Russian fighter overnight last night. No thanks to the United States of America. No thanks to NATO in Europe. Ukraine is fighting communist Russia by themselves, folks. My hat is off to Volodymyr Zelensky, the president of Ukraine. He stayed there himself. He is in Kiev. And we know Vladimir Putin's made it very plain. He wants he wants Zelensky. And he's going to make, it, make a spectacle of him if he gets his hands on him because he thinks if he can get rid of the president of Ukraine that everybody else is just going to lay down. And that may be the ultimate result, folks. But I'm going to tell you this. The Ukrainian people, they are not taking this lying down. They're pushing back. Zelensky put the word out yesterday, if you don't have a gun, here's where you can get guns. We're going to provide you guns. He taught, his military people taught Ukrainian citizens how to make Molotov cocktails and how to use them. I'm telling you, they are not laying down, and this is not a guy that has a military background. In fact, Vladimir Zelensky professionally was a stand-up comic when he ran for president of Ukraine and won, by the way. I mean, we have our own stand-up comic in the White House, but he doesn't even know if he's in the White House today. I think in many cases, many times, he doesn't know where he is or who he is and what he's doing and what he should be and not be saying. We're talking about, of course, Joe Biden. I respect the office of the presidency. I pray for this president every day. Don't get me wrong. It's not because I agree with his policies, but he's the captain of the ship that I'm on, that you're on. And we want the ship to get to where it's supposed to go. So we want the captain to be successful in that venture. Don't you agree? But while I'm doing that, let me tell you what I am doing. I am praying deeply every day for the people of Ukraine. I can only imagine the horror stories that these people are experiencing in firsthand. I mean, homes being destroyed, jobs gone, cities, towns being war-torn, and people dying. Have you decided to just be thankful for who you are, where you live, and what you have? Maybe this should put the context in place in your heart and mind to be thankful for who we are and where we live and the freedoms and the liberties that we experience and that we don't have, at least right now, 
of Vladimir Putin breathing down our necks trying to take over our country. So let's wade into it. We're not going to go deep, 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 deep into it today, but we are going to go into it because there are some very important elements that we need to get to. We have probably, in in my estimation, if not the most feckless Secretary of State, at least in the top three worst, Antony Blinken. And of course, he had a great teacher. Who was that? Secretary of State Hillary Clinton was his boss at one time, and he learned how to uh, 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 not do the right kind of things under her. And so the big question came out. I don't know if you saw any of the... Uh, speech that President Biden made in the East Room at the White House or listened to his answers to some of the hand-picked journalists that he called on to ask him questions that he had in advance, but he didn't do a very good job. And he explained what and why he was going to do these, the most egregious sanctions on Russia ever. Nobody's ever done this kind of thing. But the top two or three sanctions that everybody that understands what it takes to bring somebody to their knees and make them think. He didn't even talk about. He didn't even do them. In fact, even though he called his slate of sanctions against Russia and uh, Vladimir Putin's buddies, he explained those, but he didn't even discuss or mention the big things that would have immediately brought Russia to their knees. And what are they? Russia, they get a huge portion, a massive amount of their budget they get from selling oil and gas. So here's a novel idea. If you want to hit the guy at the knees and take him down, what do you do? You go against his strength. I would have, and most people in the United States that understand business That would have been the first place we went. And so he didn't even touch their energy. He didn't say a word about sanctioning their oil exports. Because if we did that, folks, it would bring Russia to their knees. Their economy went in the tank night before last. The ruble, the Russian ruble, that's their currency. It's at the lowest level it's ever been in world history. They're in deep, deep trouble economically. So why not kick them while they were down? I mean, they are the bullies in this thing. And go after their gas and oil. Well, brain surgeon Secretary of State Antony Blinken, he went on CBS Evening News and he made it very clear what the reasoning is. Here's what he said. Nora O'Donnell was a host, and she said, Russia's economy is fueled by gas, and the U.S. is a consumer. So would the U.S. consider cutting off oil and gas purchases from Russia? Now, did you know, I, I, I guarantee, maybe everybody listening to this show that's a regular, you do know, Joe Biden, the day he became president of the United States, he placed an order that day for 8 million barrels of oil that we purchased on his watch from Russia. That's the first time in more than a decade the United States has bought any oil from Russia. And of course, you also know that under Donald Trump and our energy policies back then that created all that wealth for the nation 
and especially middle-class America and dropped the price of oil at the gas pump way, way, way down to levels that anybody and everybody could sustain in our lives. We were energy independent, October of 2020, the month before the election, first time in 35 years. We were selling our oil because we weren't using all we were getting. We were selling it overseas. But with the flip of a switch, Joe Biden changed that. Do you know how much oil we bought from Russia yesterday? 600,000 barrels. Do you know how much oil... We're buying from Russia today 600,000 barrels. Does that sound kind of stupid to you? So when Nora O'Donnell asked Blinken that, here's how he responded. Well, what we're doing, Nora, across the board, is making sure that we inflict maximum pain on Russia for what President Putin has done while minimizing any of the pain to us. He also stated, we're in full coordination with other countries, both consumers and producers alike, to minimize any impact that this may have on energy prices and on gasoline. Boy, that sounds like just a great note of leadership to me. What about you? We're in full coordination with other countries, both consumers and producers alike. What what are we doing? What are we coordinating with them? to minimize any impact that this may have on energy prices and on gasoline. He didn't bother to tell us what that coordination and what they're coordinating is about and how that is going to have any impact on energy prices. Have you filled up since the Ukrainian-Russian conflict happened? Well, I paid $3.30 a gallon. The day Joe Biden was elected, I paid $1.65 a gallon. It's doubled on Joe Biden's watch, and we're not selling our oil to anybody else because his policies have pretty much slammed the door on the fossil fuel industry in the United States. And he did it purposely. He proudly proclaimed in his campaign he was going to do it. Forget about the Americans in the middle class and lower class that have many fixed incomes, they don't have the money to pay twice at the pump per gallon of gas that they were paying when Donald Trump was president. But you need to be real comfortable and just sit on your butt and wait because Secretary Blinken said, we're going to be fine. Joe Biden, the president, said, we're going to be fine. And then, <laughs> and then Biden began to uh, very quietly weigh in, and he stepped on his tongue several times because he answered some questions, and it made him look stupid because his answers were the truth. On a day that he got something right, he said every day, Russia's going to invade Ukraine. Russia's going to invade Ukraine. Yesterday, he said, and he had every right to say it, I told you so, I told you so. Well, he got put on the spot over the failure of those sanctions that, you know, were going to be the egregious ones that were going to bring Vladimir Putin to his knees. They obviously didn't stop Vlad from invading Ukraine. Biden tore into Vladimir. Vladimir. 
he harshly condemned the invasion. And he vowed, the president did, to increase the economic pain on Russia with even more sanctions. Oh, I couldn't wait. I watched it live. I was ready. Yeah, we're going to put the hammer down. Joe said, Putin is the aggressor. Putin chose this war, and now he and his country will bear the consequences. Wow! He also declared that America stands up to bullies. We stand up for freedom. This is who we are. Biden denied that he underestimated the former KGB strongman in response to a question from Fox News bulldog reporter, which he is Peter Ducey a man whom the commander-in-chief once called a stupid SOB during a press conference last month. (laughs) I I thought that was interesting when he did it. (laughs) A stupid SOB. I would think the stupid SOB would be the guy that didn't even realize his microphone was hot when he said that. But that's a story for another day. Ducey asked him, the next question is, did you underestimate Putin? And would you still describe him the way you did in the summer as a worthy adversary? And of course, the president, he just stepped up to the moment. And he responded with this, at the time he was. I made it clear as an adversary, and I said he was worthy. I didn't underestimate him. And I've read most of everything he's written. Did you read? Wait a minute, I shouldn't say that. He stopped. I'm not being a wise guy. You've heard the speech he made, Biden said, almost an hour's worth of speech on why he was going into Ukraine. He has much larger ambitions than Ukraine. He wants to, in fact, reestablish the former Soviet Union. That's what this is about, and I think his ambitions are, completely contrary to the place the rest of the world has arrived. This was the second time this week Biden has faced questions on whether He sold Putin short. He got put on the spot again about all of his tough talk on sanctions. When the Q&A began, he actually had people that he was calling on, and even some of those people started asking him tough questions, thank God. And when this was coming about, he it shocked me that he did it, but he admitted there was very little expectation that any of the sanctions were going to work, which is a direct contradiction to the insistence by other high-ranking members of his administration, including that brain surgeon from Southern California, Kamala Harris, Vice President. Biden's comments sent White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki. She immediately launched into damage control mode, She was once again forced to clean up the mess that her boss made. Reactions poured in from Twitter, and they weren't exactly favorable toward the leader of the free world, uh, Donald Trump Jr., oh my gosh. (laughs) But no mean tweets, he said. (laughs) Uh, a, A member of Congress still can't get over the fact that Joe Biden issued stronger sanctions on Russia and then followed it up with talking about how no one expected the sanctions to work in the first place. Real master class in horrible foreign policy. Peter Hassan, President Biden today. No one expected the sanctions to prevent anything from happening. Vice President Harris on Sunday. The purpose of the sanctions has always been and continues to be deterrence. Which is it? 
<laughs> and then Nick Adams. I don't know who Nick Adams is, but I watch his tweets from time to time. I love this one. He said, America underestimated Joe Biden's ability to F things up. <laughs> Joe's really good at doing some things, isn't he? So already, folks, in a year, his administration has piled up crisis after crisis. But this one, folks, will have major ramifications both at home, where Americans are already being bludgeoned by his instigated, solely his instigated high energy prices as a result of his um, misguided policies. I'm being kind. And globally around the world even, especially now that it's become very clear the nation's enemies have zero respect for this president. And I don't even think we've seen the edge of this. I think we're just seeing how bad it really is. I don't see how, honestly, I don't see how this president makes it a full four-year term. I just don't think he can physically and mentally and emotionally and cognitively last that long. I mean, we're not even a big, we're not even involved in war. We're watching one. Can you imagine what would happen if we actually got into a war as a nation while Joe Biden is president? Can you imagine the chaos with the leaders in the military? our Secretary of State, the Joint Chiefs that he's appointed and put them in place. They're more worried about transgender rights and kicking people out of the military that don't want to get COVID-19 vaccinated than they are about making our military be ready to support at a moment's notice this nation against foreign foes if they would come against us. And don't think that the bad actors on the planet aren't watching this president make himself and our nation look like we are unable to rise to any instance that requires intelligent pushback using intelligent measures to protect ourselves and our allies. So what do you think is going to come out of this as far as China is concerned? Have you thought about that? That's just one. But I think that's one we ought to think about. John Bolton, you remember him? He was the former, is the former UN ambassador and national security advisor. He yesterday warned that Biden's failure to stop Russia's attack on Ukraine through leaked intelligence and sanctions threats, that it's going to have lasting impact on the world. And it is going to, it is now emboldening China to get more aggressive. Now, this is all happening while China, remember, has been flying their jets over Taiwan over there, which is just a few miles off the coast of southeast China. And they want to take Taiwan back. Now, why haven't they already taken Taiwan back? Because the United States has, for many, many years, made it very clear to the leaders of China, don't you touch Taiwan. We have an agreement, a formal agreement with Taiwan that says if China attacks Taiwan, it's the same thing as China attacking the United States of America. Now, what do you think Xi Jinping thinks about that now? 
Bolton said this, we didn't demonstrate enough strength and we're paying for it today. I don't think it's an honest picture. Talking about Biden's claim of unity, citing differences with Germany over that pipeline and other disputes that are behind the scenes that probably you and I don't even know about. And I don't think it's been for some time. The West is trying to intimidate the bully, Vladimir Putin. But he can see the splits in the West just as all of us can. I mean, all you got to do is watch the news and listen to the news and watch how people reference the United States compared to the way they used to. Bolton said it's a little bit early to tell whether Putin's ultimate goal from the beginning is to affect regime change in Ukraine. I honestly don't know that he wants to kick Zelensky out of office. I think he would like for Zelensky just to be a puppet to run Ukraine as a territory of Russia. I guess we'll see. I don't think he right now feels that way about Zelensky like he probably did a week or two ago because Zelensky says, I'm not leaving Russia. Excuse me, I'm not leaving Ukraine. I'm staying here with my people and we're going to continue to push back against this tyrant from Moscow. It's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Now, I want to jump right in and let you hear some things. In this first one, we were just talking about Secretary of State Blinken and before that, former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton. Remember, who followed Secretary Clinton when she left the State Department as the Secretary of State? John Kerry. John Kerry, man, is he a bastion of honesty, integrity, and education and knowledge, right? He did one thing good. He talked a billionaire widow into marrying him, Teresa Hines Carey, his wife now, if you didn't know this. She is the heir, the sole heir of the Hines ketchup monopoly, which is what it is. They are filthy rich. And she married John Kerry, and John Kerry just decided when he couldn't win the presidency, George W. Bush Bush 43 beat him. Um, he decided he, he did a stint as Secretary of State, but then he did, decided to take over Al Gore's fiefdom, climate change, climate change, and he is Joe Biden's climate czar. So remember, we're in the middle of this two nights now, a day and two nights in Ukraine where people are dying. People's lives are being destroyed. Property's being destroyed. It's total chaos. And here's one of America's statesmen who is over there somewhere in Europe talking about his thing, which is climate change. Now, you would think somebody like a John Kerry who ran a big race for the presidency of the United States and was a secretary of state under Barack Obama after Hillary Uh, or maybe it was before Hillary. It doesn't matter. He was Secretary of State for a while. You would think that he would have a lot of empathy for the Ukrainian people. Listen to what he said yesterday. Listen to what's important to John Kerry about this conflict going on right now in Ukraine. I'm very concerned about, I'm concerned about Ukraine because of the people of Ukraine and because of the principles that are at risk uh, in terms of international law and trying to change boundaries of international law by force. Uh, I thought we lived in a world that had said no to that kind of activity, and I hope diplomacy will win. But massive 
uh, emissions consequences to the war, but equally importantly, you're going to lose people's focus. You're going to lose certainly big country attention because they will be diverted. And, and uh, I think it could have a damaging impact. So, you know, I think hopefully President Putin would realize that in the northern part of his country, they used to live on 66% of a nation that was over frozen land. Now it's thawing and his infrastructure is at risk and the people of Russia are at risk. And so I hope President Putin will help us to stay on track with respect to what we need to do for the climate. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, people are dying in Ukraine right now. They don't know where they're gonna live tomorrow. There's already been a million that have fled the country. And they didn't flee the country and go to their uh, summer vacation homes on the Mediterranean, folks. They're just getting out of Dodge to get away from impending death and gloom and doom. And doesn't that sound like somebody, what you just heard come from John Kerry, doesn't that sound like somebody with empathy for the real problem, the real struggles that are going on? I mean, after all, do you know how John Kerry got to wherever he is in Europe? He flew on his own private jet. In fact, he and his wife, Teresa Heinz Kerry, they own a fleet of jets. In fact, they own a corporate jet leasing company. And so when he's going somewhere by himself, he'll get on a smaller jet And when he wants to take the fam with him or they want to go somewhere exotic, they jump on one of the G650s, you know, the $35,000 an hour in fuel costs to ride in. And you can see and you can hear and understand his perspective based upon what he just said. He said at the beginning, of course I'm concerned about Ukraine. I'm concerned about the people there. But... What really concerns me is that we're losing focus, the focus that is necessary. And Vladimir Putin needs to understand this is horribly impacting his people, his country. Up on the north side, a lot of that country is actually frozen ground. And underneath it, if it's frozen, there's water. And climate change is going to screw all that up for him. So we need to forget about this war thing. Yeah, it's a fleeting thing. It'll be over soon. But climate change? Oh, my gosh. That's a forever thing. That's a great thing for all of us politicians to use to try to get people scared to death and to believe everything we say about if you don't take care of the climate stuff that we tell you to, you're going to die and your kids are going to die and their kids are going to die and then the grandkids will never be born because there'll be water everywhere. I know I'm exaggerating, but that's how ridiculous this stuff is. So what is the big issue? And we're, we're getting close to getting out of the Ukraine discussions today. But what is the really big issue about stopping Vladimir Putin? Why didn't we just come in there? Why didn't Joe just come in there and say, buddy, you can do it. You can go ahead and do it, but we're going to shut you down completely. Do you know that we could do that right now today? We could shut him down. You know how we could shut him down? He can't survive. The nation of Russia can't survive without selling oil. They can't do it. There is a panacea that could stop this thing pretty quickly. 
And before I get into the detail, I want. Uh, do you know who Larry Kudlow is? Larry Kudlow is an economist. He was a, uh, I don't even know what his official title was during the Trump administration, but he was an advisor, a financial economic advisor to the president in some capacity. I didn't know anything about him till that particular time. But when I listened to him and listened to his, his philosophies about economies and economical issues, even back then, even during the COVID-19 beginning when we were struggling to get our arms around everything to go with COVID-19. He's a smart guy. Well, he's got a show on Fox Business. And I listened to one of his segments yesterday, and he, he, he can be a little verbose when he gets on a tear talking about stuff. So I, I, I pulled down an audio bite, and I edited it down. I wanted to get to the important thing that just really struck me, and I want you to hear it. Here's Larry Kudlow, and he's talking about, in his estimation regarding economics, what Joe Biden should have done and should have done it immediately. Here's the part that just makes the hair on the back of my neck stand up. Joe Biden just can't help himself, okay? If we're waging at least economic war with Russia, wouldn't we want more energy power in the U.S.? and less energy power in Russia? In fact, if we're worried about gasoline prices and all the rest, wouldn't we want to increase American energy supplies, not reduce them? At the existing rate of rising economic demand, wouldn't 415 million barrels per day, which is what we're capable of, or a massive LNG export campaign to help Europe and harm Russia, wouldn't that be a good thing? Can you just play the sound from the press conference that made the hair on the back of my neck stand up? Let's just listen to this for one second. You know, we're taking active steps to bring down the cost, and American oil and gas companies should not, should not exploit this moment to hike their prices, to raise profits. I mean, that is just so pathetic. Attacking our energy businesses. You know, that's all you can say. That's how much the left has you by the short hairs, honest to God. It is the worst thing for an American president to do. And there he goes again. He did it. They shouldn't take advantage. He needs to say, he needs to say to our fossil fuel companies in order to damage Russia and hold prices down. More supply holds prices down. He needs to say, turn the spigots on The first day he was president, the first thing he did was one thing that he promised he was going to do to his credit in his campaign. He canceled the XL pipeline permits. He shut it down. That was the pipeline that was far, far close to getting completed that would move oil and gas from Canada down to the southern coast of the Gulf Coast of the United States for transporting all that energy around the world. And when that happened, he also stopped leasing, oil leasing, and natural gas leasing to private energy companies on federal lands, which has been massive for decades and decades in the oil and gas industry. And it has put so much money on the plates of Americans and also in the treasury of the United States. And just because he was cowing to the far left Green New Deal folks in Congress, He shut it down on day one, and that was the beginning of the spike in our energy cost, 
and our reliance now, 600,000 barrels a day, we buy from Russia. When we, when he took office, was energy independent. He turned that around. If he would do that one thing that Kerry, uh, Larry Kudlow mentioned, if he would make a speech and say, look, here's what we're going to do. I had a telephone conversation with the CEOs of every major oil and gas com- company in the United States, including natural gas exploration company CEOs. And I told them, we're taking all the restrictions off of drilling and production of oil and natural gas. How quickly can you guys get that gas and oil flowing? How many weeks will it take to get it back to where it was October of 2020 when we were formally announced to be energy independent? We need to do that. We want to take care of our energy needs, 100% of them again, and we want to take the excess and create a pathway to get it to our partners in Europe so they can drop their reliance on Russia. Now remember, during the Trump campaign, a massive LNG production facility was opened in southwest Louisiana. Liquid natural gas. It's very easily transported. And that plant down there has pretty much set idle since Joe Biden stopped the exploration and the production domestically of oil and gas for the climate change fanatics. It's sitting down there ready to go. And they have right there the ability to unload shiploads of LNG and get them transported to Western and Northern Europe, which we were doing already, providing those Northern European partners, our NATO allies, a huge portion of the energy sources that they need to make it. Joe Biden could do that. He could make that call and start it today if he wanted to. His presidency is in a shamble. He's feckless. He has no clue. He's not making any decisions himself. Somebody else is, and I think I know who it is, and I believe you know who it is. But doing something for political purposes right now, under these circumstances, is absolutely stupid. So his former boss, his buddy, as he calls him, Barack, he came to Joe's assistance yesterday. And here's what Barack said about all of this that's going on and what it's doing to the nation and how we as Americans should feel because obviously Barack feels this way. Quote, every American, now this is former President Barack Obama, every American, regardless of party, should support President Biden's efforts in coordination with our closest allies to impose hard-hitting sanctions on Russia. And he said in a statement that, uh, and he sent it out to reporters defending Biden, and he called Biden's sanctions a serious attempt to put a real price on Russia's autocratic elites. Now, 
That statement of support for Joe follows Barack's own failure to stop Putin from annexing Crimea in 2014 when he was president. And remember, the Ukrainian people wanted Barack and Joe to send them those rockets that target and just destroy Russian tanks. And Barack told Joe, hey, send them some supplies. And he did, blankets. Obama also urged Americans to embrace the economic pain that we are suffering now and will continue to as a result of sanctions on Russia. He said there may be some economic consequences to these sanctions given Russia's significant role in world energy markets, but that's a price we should be willing to pay to take a stand on the side of freedom. Folks, I've, I've been for many years very vocal about the issues, the gross misrepresentations, and the horrible leadership under Barack Obama's presidency. They speak for themselves. I don't even need to go into that. But for him to come back and shame you and me because we don't want to pay $5 a gallon of gasoline at the pump and knowing that we don't need to and don't have to, but the reason we are is because of policy decisions that have been made by Barack Obama and his puppet, Joe Biden, a president, we're supposed to just suck it up? Can you do that? Honestly, can you do that? (laughs) Oh my gosh, there is no way I can do it. I'm not going to shut up. I'm going to live through whatever deck that somebody puts on the table and deals a set of cards, a hand of cards to me. That's because, only because, I don't have any options otherwise. I've got to do it. This financially has changed the lives of millions of Americans already in less than a year. There are people that are struggling today, and this guy, Barack Obama, who was filthy rich just because he was president of the United States, not because of anything he did, but what others did for him, That's the only reason he's filthy rich. Joe Biden the same. So it's okay. You can make a decision about things that don't involve being fearful about how you're going to push through something economically when you have millions of dollars at your disposal. They're the one percenters, folks. The one percenters. Those are the evil people they both talk about that they want to go get grab tax money from. They're not considering themselves being part of that group, of course. Why? Because we're the elites. We're the leaders. We're the autocrats. Oh, my gosh. They're part of that group that they demonize every day, thinking we don't get it. Okay, that's it for Ukraine. <laughs> we're going to take our first break. I... Um, some years ago, folks, I uh, I wrote something that, you know, on Facebook, whenever you write things in every few days, maybe something you wrote eight, nine, six, seven, eight years ago, it pops up. I got one of those yesterday and it shocked me. I'd forgotten I wrote it, of course, but I want to share it with you. We're, we're going to do that when we come back. And folks, there are so many other things on the table that we've got to look at closely. Life is going on. It's not just about Ukraine. You knew that, though. Well, we're going to weigh into all of that. Don't go anywhere. We're going to be right back 
and we want you to join us. Yeah, we've got a phone and a toll-free number, 866-37-TRUTH. Back right after this at TNN Live. The show is better when you're a part of it, so be a part of it. Join Dan at 1-866-37-TRUTH. TNN Live. The Truth News Network. Or online all the time at truthnewsnet.org. Hi, this is Jack, founder of Jack in the Box. Is the caller there? Mr. Box, Douglas Gopperts from Burger Week magazine. Oh, hey, Doug. Doug's a respected fast food critic. I recently dined on your sourdough Jack combo. And? Perfection. The cheese, the jumbo patty, the golden sourdough bread, the french fries. Bravo. Well, thank you. However, I found the dessert a bit dry. It doesn't come with dessert. The candy. The white, round candy with the happy face. Was it wearing a scarf? Yes, I believe it was. Rosy cheeks, fuzzy earmuffs? Yes, that's it. Douglas, you ate a holiday ball. (gasps) We're giving one away free to customers who buy a sourdough jack combo. But they're not for dessert. They're for antennas. Or a pencil. Right. Well, that's going to improve your score dramatically. Excellent. Dunkin' is putting a whole new spin on pumpkin at Dunkin' with our new pumpkin cream cold brew. Smooth, bold, cold brew topped with velvety pumpkin cream cold foam made with cinnamon and nutmeg spices. And there's more pumpkin for you to love, like the delicious fall classic, our pumpkin spice signature latte. Rich espresso topped with whipped cream, caramel drizzle, and cinnamon sugar. That's how we pumpkin at Dunkin'. Sip into the fall season with the new pumpkin cream cold brew or pumpkin spice signature latte. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Exclusions apply. Wouldn't some uh, white sand with blue water, one of those umbrella drinks, wouldn't that be kind of cool this weekend with this cold weather that we're living through in North Louisiana would be for me? I can't do that. Got to get on with life as normal here. Well, I I mentioned going to the break. um, Something that I wrote that came back, and it didn't come back to haunt me. It came back to remind me of where we've been over the last six, seven, eight years, politically at least. So do you remember what was going on in your life on February 24th, 2016? Hmm. Well, I'm going to read this verbatim. This is what I wrote that day and posted on my Facebook page. See if you can relate. Having part of the GOP being called the Republican establishment, a part called the Tea Party, and a part called far-right conservatives is ludicrous, I said. But it definitely explains why there is an obvious rift in the GOP between those inside the Beltway and the remainder of conservative America. The Beltway guys, that's my term, I came up with that, and I abbreviate it called BGs, the Beltway guys, the the BGs chose John McCain and Mitt Romney. How did they get chosen? Well, they sold out to the establishment. And because of the election after election cycle in which the BGs, the Beltway guys, candidates run and get beaten in the presidential elections and their Senate and House members who get elected and then in office refuse to do what they promised conservatives during campaigns, American conservatives have had enough. I'm sick and tired and I'm not going to take it anymore. 
That's a cry of conservatives, and the Beltway guys had better hear it and better hear it quickly. So now the Beltway guys have decided the only Republican left who they can control is Marco Rubio. So they all endorsed him before the South Carolina primary election. That worked well in South Carolina and really well in Vegas in the debates, right? Why do they continue to make control moves when it's obvious conservative Americans are tired of them doing just that? And I said, I'll answer my own question. The only way the Beltway guys can remain in power is if they continue to control who runs and ultimately get elect- gets elected. So they campaign. They get super PACs in place. They chase dollars, millions of dollars, and pass all those dollars along to the candidates that bow to their wishes. They, in the last election cycle, learned that winning is no longer about money. It's now only about power, because with power they control everything, which obviously includes money. The Beltway guys are reeling today. Why is that? Now, remember, this is February 24th, 2016. Why is that happening? Why are they so upset? Well, because with their big move this week, they expected for Marco Rubio to move out and take the lead. When they saw Jeb, Jeb Bush, was not going to be able to gain any traction, and they removed him and anointed Rubio, they knew that their added power and support would vault Rubio into the lead. But what they didn't plan on was a loose cannon being in the race. That cannon had a weird hairdo, had a buttload full of money, and the ability to speak to Americans' fears about everything to do with the federal government that the Beltway guys have promised again and again to resolve, but have not done so election after election. Now again, I'm, I'm still reading you what I published in February of 2016. It continues. Years ago, I remember listening to a Rush Limbaugh caller ask Rush why he never ran for office. Limbaugh's answer was that if he ran, he knew, he knew he'd have to raise money to campaign. He knew that if people gave money for his campaign, he would then be obligated to them going forward. Anytime they asked for something, he was going to be obligated to respond. That's the very reason the Beltway guys are scared to death of Donald Trump. He doesn't need their money. He doesn't care about their definition of political correctness. And he doesn't need their support. They have no Donald Trump control. And it's driving them nuts. Super Tuesday, next week. Both the Democrat and GOP nominating delegates sufficient to name their candidates will be known after Super Tuesday. And the Beltway guys are panicked because it looks like conservative Americans are tired of the same old lies and ditto Republican politics. And they're going to support Donald Trump. Darn. Don't these conservative voters understand that the GOP Beltway guys knows who's better for America than the voters? Why don't we all just shut up and listen to them? I don't think so. We've done that for the last seven years, and it didn't work. Can you believe here we are six years later, 
And the exact same thing is applicable today. It was applicable then. You know, the, the one thing when I, when I read that, when I wrote, and it brings back all kinds of memories, the one thing that makes me feel pretty good about it is it's not just me that noticed that and has been hammering that and harping on that in large part ever since. Tens of millions of Americans are awakening thanks to a lot of, a lot of information that they're getting now that they never were getting, at least in the volumes in which we get it now out of the media outlets out there. If you remember, even back in 2016, who did we have to turn to for news? Real honest-to-goodness news. That was Fox News. That was it. And, of course, everybody on the other side of the political spectrum, they spent every waking minute demeaning anything and everything that those on Fox News gave us and just because it was from Fox News, we were we were told you can't believe it. They're hard, hardcore, right-wing, white supremacist people that hate America and hate Americans and only like wealthy people. That's what they told us. And, of course, the people that are telling us that are filthy rich. But it's okay. They're on the left. They have the right to be filthy rich. They deserve it. Why? Because they're the enlightened ones. And that cycle just keeps going and going and going and going, and they just don't get it. Did you hear what Hillary Clinton said overnight? This one toasted me. I tried my best before we went on the air to find uh, a soundbite of her saying that so I could play it for you. She's from that era of the anointed leftist elites, and she spoke it dramatically in dramatic fashion. I don't know where she got a microphone and anybody that put a camera in her face, but she just derided Donald Trump as she always does. But she put it in the context of what is happening today in Ukraine. And I'm going to paraphrase what she said. And when I heard her say it, I threw up a little bit in my mouth. So I'm going to be careful. I don't want to do that again when I tell you what she said. In context, here's what she said. Can you imagine the mess that would be going on in Ukraine and in Europe if Donald Trump was president of the United States? Can you imagine he would be in the tank assisting Vladimir Putin in his invasion of Ukraine and opening the door for him to move, Putin, him, to move across Europe, taking back countries that were formerly part of the Soviet Union. That's what he wants. And Donald Trump is a fellow authoritarian, and he would be helping Vladimir Putin destroy democracy in the world. She actually said that. And the saddest thing about it is whatever group she was standing in front of or talking to, Many of them stood to their feet and applauded, screaming their support for what she said. Authoritarian, and what's saddest to me, the the very people that are supporting and parroting that term for any conservative, any Democrat that is conservative, or any Republican. If you believe in Republican ideals, you're an autocratic supporter. You want somebody like a dictator that they accused Donald Trump of being over and over and still are when in fact 
their policies of taking liberty and freedom away from the people and keeping it in the government for themselves to use against us, that is the definition of autocracy. And Joe Biden is playing that out in Ukraine to a T right now. And still, with the truth being right in front of our eyes every day, 24-7, they are so full of themselves that they think you and I are incapable of looking at and recognizing what they're trying to do and that all of this demonization of Donald Trump and anybody and everybody that is a conservative that has been, that's been in the Republican caucus in Congress or these Republican governors that are running these states around the nation that are doing better in every area than are those that are being led by these hardcore leftist autocratic wannabes. They think we don't understand that, that we don't see that. And of course, they're sorely mistaken, sorely mistaken. There's one more thing I want you to listen to in that regard about the leftist leadist, and that is Joe Biden himself speaking back in 2019. You remember 2019? That hadn't been that long ago. He was campaigning against Donald Trump. I want you to hear what he had to say back then in the context of what we're seeing play out 24-7 now in Ukraine and in Europe. Here's Joe Biden in 2019. This is going to blow your mind. It's going to take a hell of a lot of work to make up for all the damage he's done internationally and nationally. Of course, he's talking about he being Donald Trump, the damage that he's done nationally and internationally. Keep listening. His network of thugs and co-conspirators are going to continue to try to undermine our democracy in the meantime. The thugs and co-conspirators he was referencing, Boris Johnson in the UK, leaders in Germany and Ukraine, thugs. Those are the people that Joe Biden was calling just because Donald Trump as president reached out and developed relationships with them all. And the relationships he developed were to do what? Push back and lead a a pushback against Vladimir Putin in Russia and Xi Jinping in China and Kim Jong-un in North Korea that wanted to lob ICBM nuclear tip missiles all over Europe and the United States. But here's Joe. He continues. 2019. Imagine what he can do in another year. Imagine what can happen in Ukraine. Imagine what can happen in Ukraine. And guess what, Joe? On your watch, it's happening right now today. Well, that was Joe in 2019. Here's Joe today. This is a premeditated attack. Within moments, moments, missile strikes began to fall on historic cities across Ukraine. Then came the air raids, followed by tanks and troops rolling in. Imagine what can happen in Ukraine. Just imagine what can happen in Ukraine. I guess they all believe. They believe nobody has a camera. No iPhone exists that has a camera. They don't understand that everything they say in public, everything they they uh, they do, it's captured for eternity.
posterity will see what things they say and what evidence of things they have done for eternity. It's always out there. I, I guess basically the thing that shocks me the most is I'm beginning to believe these people are really stupid. Now, why would you say that, Dan? Well, there's only one explanation for why they would continue to maintain these diatribes like you just heard from Joe Biden just a couple of years ago, talking about Trump and his co-conspirators and thugs that he pals around with. And Joe Biden is suborning everything that Vladimir Putin is trying to do right now today. Ukraine is just a little bitty piece of it. That's not what Vladimir Putin wants. He has been very transparent, far more transparent than our president. He made it very clear. He he looks back at the boundaries, the geography of the old Soviet Union. And if you didn't read the speech that he made several nights ago, if you didn't get the English version, I told you about it, for almost an hour, he ranted and raved about the concern that Russian people, old guard Russian people have about Ukraine because Ukraine, when it became an independent nation, it stepped away from the old Russian ideals. In other words, it stepped away from communism and totalitarianism. And that is a threat to Vladimir Putin. There is no question about it. These people are getting out of line. They're garnering far too much political power and economic power. They're dealing with people from the other part of the world, from the West, and being and getting more and more successful at everything they do. And after all, totalitarianism can't allow that to happen. Democratic rule the people getting power and authority to live their lives autonomously without relying 24-7 on every part of their lives, the government that they live under, he can't have that. But Joe Biden, John Kerry, Barack Obama, and Hillary Clinton are all supporting that kind of lifestyle, making it okay, as Barack Obama said. He put this out yesterday. I gave it to you. I read it to you. Americans need to just sit down, shut up, and deal with the pain that we are seeing happen over this Ukrainian thing and the energy cost and stuff. It's necessary in their opinions that we do that. Why? So that totalitarianism can be normalized around the world. I am serious, folks. That is is the foundation and the basis for all this noise they are spewing today. Think about that. Hey, it's Garrett. The Poland Spring brand wants to provide more than 100% natural spring water, and they want to make a difference. That's why they're rescuing millions of pounds of plastic and transforming them into new bottles that are 100% recycled. You can join them by pledging to recycle your bottle, and for each pledge, Poland Spring will donate safe, clean drinking water to local communities in need. Go to PolandSpring.com forward slash pledge to find out more. Select sizes only 20 up 700 milliliter, 1 liter, and 1.5 liter size bottles.
Here's good news. Even with high unemployment, there's still a need for hundreds of thousands of cybersecurity professionals in the U.S. right now. And my computer career is training people to help meet the demand. No IT experience? No problem. Take the free career evaluation today at mycomputercareer.edu. Start your new life as an IT pro in as little as four months. Grants covering up to 53% of the cost are available to those who qualify. It's not rocket science. It's mycomputercareer.edu. Little Caesar's Thin Crust Pizza is so loaded with cheese and pepperoni you can't even see the crust. And if you ever want to see it again, listen very carefully. Bring six forty nine in unmarked bills or marked bills or coins or just a credit or debit card to Little Caesar's. Come alone and bring your friends or family. Bring everyone. Get a Little Caesar's Large Thin Crust Pizza with extra cheese and the most pepperoni, all at the nation's best price of just six forty nine. Pizza, pizza. Top four national pizza chains. Extra most bestest thin crust pepperoni pizza versus large round one topping thin crust pepperoni pizza. Everyday standard menu prices at participating locations plus tax. So it's this beautiful summer day, and while most guys would say, let's go to the beach, Donnie says, Hey, let's go to Pilgrim Furniture in Mattress City. They're having a warehouse sale. I say, are you serious? He says, your place needs furniture. And at the sale, you can get beautiful stuff and save 50, 60, even 80%. So we go to the Pilgrim Warehouse Sale. I buy a sofa, a love seat, and this really cute dinette set. But the big thing is, we pick it out together, Donnie and me. Maybe this relationship is going somewhere. The Warehouse Sale at Pilgrim Furniture in Mattress City. In a world of weapons-grade stupidity, your defense is the truth. TNN, the Truth News Network. I like that term, weapons-grade stupidity. Boy, how appropriate is that? Well, guess what we are told we need to get ready for? Massive migration. Refugees, Ukraine refugees, and the George Soros mass migration lobby, um, they're using Russia's invasion of Ukraine to further their cause, just like you heard John Kerry furthering his cause using the Ukrainian thing to promote climate change. They're promoting open borders, telling us we need to get ready to take all the Ukrainian refugees here in the United States because they're going to need a place to go. Even as the Biden administration has resettled nearly 75,000 Afghans across our nation in just six months, many of whom were not properly vetted, cannot be located, and we found out 50 of them were in our own terrorist watch list, and they're somewhere in America and we don't know where they are. With that going on, these mass migration groups, they want us to open the gates to Ukraine and do the same thing again. The U.S. can also lead by example and live up to its highest ideals by welcoming more refugees fleeing violent conflict from Ukraine. That's from Lutheran Immigration and Refugee Services President Chris O'Mara. The refugee resettlement system, Chris said, is precisely how we protect vulnerable populations, whether they're from Afghanistan or Ukraine. The Biden administration's increase of the refugee ceiling to 125,000, coupled with low refugee arrivals to date. Low refugee arrivals to date. Can you believe that was said? Low refugee arrivals to date. Low. They say that means there's ample room to welcome Ukrainians in search of safety. The administration must rebuild and streamline the refugee program's processing capacity 
to prepare for this new humanitarian emergency. They believe that. And don't think that we won't hear a cry for that. We will hear somehow somebody in leadership on the left, in Congress probably, and also from this administration, we need to open the doors. I mean, look what we did for those Afghan people that ran to get away from the Taliban. We brought them over here in the thousands, and now we're resettling them and giving them the chance to make a better life for themselves and their families. Folks, you need to understand, if you didn't already know this, throughout history, the history of our nation, we have allowed more immigrants to come to this country than have every other country on earth combined. Did you realize that? Last year, we had legally over a million people immigrate to the United States coming in through the legal process that was set up years ago by the United States Congress, by the way, and through immigration laws that were signed into law by presidents. That's the only way anybody can come here legally. It has to be done legally to be acceptable, but there is a huge group in our nation that feel like they don't have to do that. And we should thumb our noses at the rule of law and just because the elitists think we need to let everybody that wants to come in, come in, and we need to support them financially and give them anything that they want, fund their housing, fund their everyday financial needs, pay for their educations, their health care, and pay them money on top of that. Why? Because we're the greatest country on the planet and we have an obligation to do that, which we don't. And the bulk of the American people don't want that to happen. If anything, in change in immigration policies, Americans want to expand legal immigration and stop all illegal immigration. Why isn't that happening? It's because Joe Biden, Joe Biden and his Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, they refuse to abide by federal law, they actually broadcast and promote the fact that if you can get to our southern border, we're going to let you in. Period. If you were here the other day, we had Louisiana Congressman Mike Johnson on with us, and I asked him point blank, and probably I should I should replay that interview, and I'll tell you what I'll do. Here's what I'm going to do. For those of you that missed it, um... Of course, you can go back and listen to the show. You can get it at Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcast, uh, iHeartRadio Podcast, any place you get your podcast. If you go just in the search bar, type in TNN Live, that's our show, and grab the, what was it, two days ago, Tuesday? I think it was Tuesday. But anyway, Mike Johnson, you can listen to it. It was right at the top of the show. And if not, you go to the story that day that we published at truthnewsnet.org and below the the uh, first page of the story, that podcast is there, a link that you can listen to right there. But you need to hear him talk about it because I ask him, what can be done about a president of the United States that refuses to have any of his people support the rule of law? And of course, Mike Johnson, very plainly, he's a constitutional attorney. He said point blank, 
What needs to happen is the people that refuse to do that, that are in the administration, elected or appointed, need to be impeached. Well, why don't we impeach Joe Biden? Why don't we impeach Alejandro Mayorkas and anybody else that refuses to enforce laws? Well, it's very simple. The impeachment process constitutionally is structured. It has to begin in the United States House of Representatives, which means there has to be enough people, a majority of those people in the House that want to impeach these people to even let the process begin. Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House, obviously she doesn't want anybody, Joe Biden or anyone in his administration, to be kicked out of office, so no legislation. And there have been impeachment orders that have been entered and given to Nancy Pelosi with a request to take that up in the House of Representatives. She's never even given them the light of day. Congressman Johnson told us if we uh, get the majority back in the House of Representatives and the Senate, which looks pretty positive at this particular point, that might happen in the November elections, there will be impeachment on the table, probably for the president, but certainly for some of his open borders minions that work below him in the administration. Instead of being... Uh, corporately wise about examining the real issues and tackling the real issues of the United States of America. We just mentioned one. In this conversation about Ukraine, we, along with Larry Kudlow of Fox News Business, um, we took on what Joe Biden could do to really, at the same time he hits Vladimir Putin in the nose and knocks him out, restore the economic freedom, a big piece of it, to the American people by opening up our fossil fuel exploration and distribution processes again. And that would really hit the heart of Russia and Vladimir Putin because that is their biggest economic boondoggle, is selling oil to countries around the world, including the United States. But you know what? If you put it in the context of what we deal with every day here in the United States, Russia is not our biggest enemy. Putin, he is invading Ukraine, and he's been fixed on it for a while. I mean, it's been a dream for his. Most of the world knew it was coming. And by that first nightfall, night before last, Russia's advanced forces got to the capital city of Kiev. And the situation looked bad, and it still does. In the bloodshed we've watched so far, the internet, it's got to be, and it is, awash in all kinds of hot takes, stories, pictures, videos, not insignificant among them. Treason is amiss on the right. Now, you got to follow this line of thinking. Stay with me. Treason is amiss on the right where our U.S. elites detect an insufficient support for the White House and insufficient hatred of Vladimir Putin. (laughs) They're shocked that their cries about that, they're lashing out against people that aren't all in behind the Biden administration taking on 
Vladimir Putin by doing nothing, their cries ring hollow in the ears of so many conservative and Christian Americans. Our lack of enthusiasm, it infuriates them to their core. They're shaking with anger at all of us that feel that way. And I'm one of those that feels that way. So what is the cause of this apparent quote-unquote treason they say we're guilty of? Why aren't we charging along with them? Why aren't we all impressed with a government that's afraid of racially profiling Chinese spies? (laughs) Or the carbon footprint of war in Europe? Why didn't the Russians fear the diversity tweets of our NATO alliance folks or our maternity flight suits and trans soldiers? (laughs) They're not afraid of us, folks. Why they wonder, these elites in the U.S., why haven't American conservatives flocked to their racist flag, the red, white, and blue? That's racist, right? You knew that. And while we're doing that, why... Why aren't we just singing our racist national anthem in support of Joe Biden? There's no easy way to say it, folks, but the truth is a lot of us hate our elites far more than we hate some foreign dictator. In other words, maybe hate is too harsh, but we despise what these elites in our nation are doing. And we despise what Vladimir Putin is doing. But when you put the two side by side, at least when we look at Vladimir Putin, we know before we have to interact with him who he is and what he's about. And these elites for years, have they've hidden who they really are. It's a tough truth for the tough place our civilization is in. And it's a difficult truth for our ruling class to see amid the glare of their self-righteousness what's really going on in our lives, in our hearts. From Western Europe to West Los Angeles, we know we're governed by leaders in business and entertainment and politics who don't like our country. They hate our country. They hate its history. They hate its heroes, its people and the people's religions. These elites have the money and the power. They can freeze truckers' bank accounts and mask our kids in school as young as three years old. They don't care what the implications are. They have the power, so they can do it. They can order Australians into internment camps, and they can host drag queen story hours. They can force vaccinations. They can close churches, leaving strip clubs open in the name of COVID. They can arrest priests. They can bankrupt businesses, prosecute bakers, empty out prisons, defund police. And sometimes they can even win votes, either literally or figuratively win votes. One they can have, though, is the moral authority to rule a civilization that they hate. They, the elites in America, are the very thugs they claim to stand against, and they are illegitimate, have no legitimacy. Now is not the time for this squabbling, we're told. You just got to shut up and get in line. Putin's assault is an assault on the West. But how can we take them seriously, folks? 
when they're the same ones who ask if we can have schools named after Thomas Jefferson, the same who pine over what primitive tribes our land was stolen from. And what are we going to do about the travesties of our great-great-great-great-great-grandparents when we had slavery? We owe them something. Putin has no such concerns about his own civilization. And that's one of the reasons, the core reasons, our elites hate him so much. This week, he said Ukraine is Russia's land. It's steeped in Russia's religion, its culture, and history. So Russia is taking it back. Another truth, it's kind of hard that amid a Western elite who has forgotten who we are, it's easy to look overseas at our enemies and envy the confidence they have in their own civilizations and their own countries. Why don't our leaders have the same? The very question, if you ask that, it infuriates them even further. How, they ask, can we not follow when they are the experts, the enlightened ones, the experts who told us America never was great, or who questioned the American exceptionalism they now call on to defend the West? Really? Who can follow a political left or establishment GOP calling us to defend Western civilization when just last week our culture's triumphs were submitted as proof of our awful patriarchy when they were apologized for. (laughs) Can we really take Ukraine's inviolable border seriously while defending our own is called racist and racism? Do they actually expect us to ignore Putin's claims of ancestral land rights in Ukraine while we teach our school children to be ashamed for living on land that they're telling us and telling our kids was stolen. Of course not. That would be stupid. But how did this happen, they ask? How did conservatives turn on their rhetoric, the elitist rhetoric? We turn on their wars. The only answer so many come to is predictably Donald Trump. He's the bad guy, orange man. He's got them all, disbelieving facts and truthfulness. What they don't understand is the real culprits. They're looking at them when they look in the mirror. So Republicans and liberals can step up their podiums and their microphones and dismiss Putin as a mad dog and an enemy. After all, part of membership in our elite class is never having to think deeply and getting to facts at all. But maybe, just maybe, in a little bitty fleeting moment of rare reflection, maybe when they glance at the mirror one time, they may wonder why so many patriotic Americans aren't following them anymore if they ever were. If they listen, a few of them might just learn why so many are more interested in our enemies within than their enemies abroad. 
Let me tell you what, this thing with Ukraine and Vladimir Putin, if it doesn't do anything else, it's opening the eyes of millions of Americans to think and ask a question. Is this really, really real? Is what we've been told for all these years, and we've we've learned to adore everybody on the left, the wealthy, the powerful, the multi-billionaires, the politically elitist out there like Barack Obama and all of those that follow him. Maybe, maybe they really don't have any clothes on. The emperor's naked. You know how I know that is happening to some degree? All the polling now. All the polling. It doesn't really have any stark changes between the support of politicians from Republicans, and then on the other side, report of politicians from Democrats, where you know that eyes are opening is when you look at independents, the core, the people who aren't Republicans and aren't Democrats, but they're red, white, and blue Americans, and they're looking at what the elites have been shoveling down their throats for decades, and they're realizing it ain't what we were told it is. And a few of them, a bunch of them, millions of them are slapping themselves in the head and thinking, how in the heck did I ever get sold on that? And let me illustrate the craziness for you of the left right now in this Ukraine thing. As Vladimir Putin's doing his thing, reports of attacks begin to show up early Thursday a bunch of prominent American liberals, they found a way. They got to turn this into something. And they did, folks. Guess what they turned it into? It's in Ukraine now. What's going on in Ukraine? What is happening? Russia is invading Ukraine. And the way they're doing it and the reason they're doing it, it's about race. Who leads the pack here in these elites in media? MSNBC's Joy Reid. On air yesterday, she suggested that Republicans are openly supportive of Vladimir Putin's invasion. We're supporting it. She said, I've come to expect very little from the Republican Party, to be blunt. I understand they prefer autocracy. They want a white nationalist autocracy in the United States. They believe that white Christians are beleaguered and need to rule the United States without elections. Got it? But this is really, at this point, open. Did you hear what she said about you and about me? First of all, she said, I understand that they, that's you and me, if you're conservatives, we prefer autocracy. In other words, nobody could think that Vladimir Putin has any right to do what he's doing unless you wanted and you believed in dictatorship. And she said they want a white nationalist autocracy in the United States. Listen to what I'm about to say. If your husband and your wife is not listening You're going to need to repeat this to them later. And Joy Reid needs to hear what I'm about to say. We have a white nationalist autocrat in the United States. 
His name is Joe Biden. He is the epitome, the picture of what autocracy is really about. Autocracy means taking all the political power and might to make decisions and set policies, take all of that away from any of the populace and put it up at the top of the heap and only the autocrat. They are trying to tell us and have been for years now that Donald Trump was an autocrat. Donald Trump was the antithesis of autocracy and the way he operated his government and his life before he got into politics is the opposite of autocracy. Joe Biden is the picture of autocracy. Forget about the rule of law. Don't enforce laws. How do you know what to do? Well, I'm an autocrat. They never admit that, but technically what they're saying is, I'm enlightened, you're not. I know what's best. I know what's right, and you don't. And I have power to shove what I think is right down your throat, and there's nothing you can do about it. Why? Because you're a minion. You're just a plebe down there somewhere low. I'm a member of the autocracy, and we have the power. Joy Reid continued, This is saying we should either side with Russia or let them run over Europe. That is new. I feel like that is something Trump brought to the table, Joy Reese said. The Young Turks host, Sink Uger, meanwhile, said Republicans love Putin because he is white in a Thursday morning tweet. Right wing doesn't love Putin just because he's an authoritarian, tyrannical leader, They love him because he's a white authoritarian leader. He wrote, Races become more important than even nationality. They've turned on democracy and now even America in favor of a white warlord. Where where do they get this? Where do they get this? This show, you can only come up with that mindset by obsessing on elitism at its core and trying to hide from the world that you actually believe in elitism and you identify, you self-identify as being one of those people that is enlightened, intellectual, and empowered. And because of that, not because of who you are, not because of what you think, but just because you've been given a chit in the game, you're better than everybody else. I don't know a single Republican or a single conservative who does not identify as a Republican that thinks Vladimir Putin is a good person, that he is worthy of any support on any level whatsoever regarding the way he has governed for decades. I don't know of a single one. And yet these, this group of people who have a bully platform, MSNBC, They don't have a big drawing, but they're owned by NBC that has a big drawing. And there are millions of people that listen to every word that that they say. And because they're the ones, they're the elites, they're the endowed ones. So therefore, whatever they say has got to be true. I can't tell you how many far lefties 
I mean, I came up, I was in college during the early 70s, folks. I was in the middle of the the leftovers of Vietnam and the protest. I almost went to Woodstock in 1969. I couldn't put the money together or I would have been there. And I would have been right in the middle of all of that. It was anti-Vietnam. Vietnam was a horrible, horrible war we should have never gotten involved in. And the lives of millions of people were changed dramatically. And the only reason it was changed, the only reason we got in that war was to put money in the pockets of Lyndon B. Johnson's buddies in the defense industry. And people died. I was against it. I was dead set against it. So I know what it is to identify and be against a cause or people that are part of that cause. I don't know a single Republican or conservative otherwise that thinks Vladimir Putin is a good guy or thinks what he's doing is right. I don't know of a single one. And if I could, I would challenge somebody like Joy Reid to go find some of those people. Offer them a seat at the table on your show. So they can tell you how they, because they're white nationalists, they support Vladimir Putin because he's white. Or even if they didn't admit that, they support him because of what he's doing. I don't know a single one that does. But listen to this. I know somebody who needs to ask, who be asked and then answered that question that is in front of a microphone and TV camera almost daily And it looks based upon actions that he might fall into that category of supporting and liking what Vladimir Putin is doing. Who is that? It's our president, Joe Biden. Why would you say that, Dan? Why isn't he doing the obvious things that would stop Vladimir Putin in his tracks? And I'm going to ask you as we go to a break, I'm going to ask you to consider this. Why would... Joe Biden, why would he, when he has a chance to answer Vladimir Putin by demonstrative actions to stop him from going into Ukraine further and obviously wanting to go further in Northern Europe and get back to those Soviet geographical lines, the Soviet Union that he really wants Why wouldn't Joe Biden do the things that are absolutely known that would kick him in the face, Vladimir Putin in the face? Why wouldn't he stop Russia from their ability to use the swift international financial transmission process? Why wouldn't he do that immediately, stop them from being able to receive money and transfer money around the world? Why wouldn't he sanction their oil imports? and exports. That's the third highest economic receipt sector of the Russian economy, exporting oil. Joe Biden could sanction that. Why doesn't he tell them, we're not buying another drop of oil from you, even though we're buying 600,000 barrels a day? We'll suffer for a bit, but I'm going to open the American oil sector, energy production side, I'm going to open it up full bore immediately. 
we're going to become independent from Russia again. And we're going to provide our allies in Europe all the natural gas and oil that they need because we're going to go to maximum production. It may take us three or four weeks, but that's where we're headed. Why wouldn't he do that? I'm asking you to answer that question. And I've got the answer. I do. I'm almost positive. I know what the answer is. And so what are we going to do? I'm going to take a break. And on the other side of it, I'm going to give you my answer and challenge you to challenge me about my answer being the right answer. I'm serious, folks. It's time for us to come up with facts, ask questions, and get some answers. Don't go away. The following is an important time-insensitive announcement from Staples. Now, for an unlimited time only, Staples is drastically cutting their everyday prices on hundreds of products your business needs. That's right. The clock is not ticking. What? Crawl or lollygag to Staples, and you will not miss this opportunity. These are everyday price cuts. Take a four-pack of AA Duracell batteries, was $4.79, now just $2.99. But act now, or later, because these Staples everyday price cuts will be around for a really, really long time. Price cuts, like a two-pack of Scotch Magic Tape, previously $4.79, now just $2.99. And Scotch Packaging Tape, now just $2.29 for today, tomorrow, and pretty much every day till the cows come home. But don't hurry. These everyday price cuts are indefinite. To repeat, these prices will last. So stop by your nearest Staples whenever it's convenient and take advantage of these normal, continuing, everyday price cuts. Thank you. Welcome to Staples. Staples guy, my company has like seven different printers. How's your ink selection? Behold, Staples Wall of Ink. Just wow. A huge selection of ink and toner guaranteed in stock. Hello, awesome. If it's not, we take $10 off and ship it to you free. Pinch me. I said pinch. I heard you. New low prices on ink and toner and an in-stock guarantee. Staples, make more happen. Look, we know that boy's going to ask again, so let's be ready. Fine, I'll be him. You ready? Ready. Mom, could you hook me up with a GoPhone? You'll run up the bill, son. Yo, that's whack, Moms. GoPhone is totally different. What? It'll only cost me an arm? Chillax. It has unlimited talk and text. Seriously? Word. Okay, we'll get a GoPhone. Really? Uh, really? That is the bomb. Do you even know what the bomb means? Yes. No. Hey! GoPhone, only from AT&T. With unlimited talk to 65 million wireless AT&T customers and now unlimited text to anyone on any network. AT&T, your world delivered. Okay, okay. What's fueling the decision-making process of our president regarding anything and everything to do with Vladimir Putin and what Putin's doing. You can't find anything in reason that would explain why he shut down our energy business. And he did, regardless of what any of them say. And they come to his defense all the time. In fact, before I give you the answer, I want you to listen to this a little bit Yesterday, Jen Psaki at the White House, Peter Ducey of Fox News, asked her about the energy situation, the exact thing that we're talking about right now, asked her why Joe Biden won't do the things that will reverse that immediately, and at the same time, take Vladimir Putin on and hit him in the face. Would he try to ensure that by lifting some of the restrictions that he's put in place on the energy industry or 
rethinking some projects like the Keystone Pipeline? Well, first of all, the Keystone Pipeline is not flowing, so I'm not sure how that would solve anything. There's also plenty of oil leases that are not being tapped into by oil companies, so you should talk to them about that and why. Uh, but what the President's talking about is we certainly understand, and he said this today, right? may have been in response to your question. I don't remember. but. Um, if there's an invasion of another country by a big country, there's going to be impacts on the markets, right? And we certainly anticipated that, and we anticipate that as it relates to the global oil market as well. So that's why the President, for weeks now, has been engaging with a range of big global suppliers, some in the Middle East, others, to see what we can do to ensure there's supply out there in the market to reduce the impact on the American people. And the U.S. is one of the Russian oil industry's best customers, hundreds of thousands of barrels per day. Would the president ever consider ordering U.S. companies to stop importing Russian oil? I don't have any prediction of that at this point, Peter. We announced some significant sanctions uh, today. Uh, our objective is to uh, in, uh, to in ensure there is the greatest pa economic pain on Russia, and not on the Russian people, but on President Putin, and to uh, mi minimize the impact on the American people, including companies here in the United States. Okay. All right. Thanks, everyone. Once again, Jen Psaki evaded the whole thing. Joe Biden evades the questions. Jen Psaki evades the questions. Why doesn't Joe Biden reverse? He could do it with one ink pen, sign one executive order, and reverse all of those things that he made and put in place that have crippled our carbon, in uh, carbon industry, fossil fuel industry, and have cost trillions of dollars in revenue for Americans just in this first year of his being president. What? is going on with him. And why, by the way, doesn't he shut Russia down and shut their energy business down, their oil business down, when he could do it through sanctions? Why won't he do it? I'm going to answer the question, and I'm going to answer it in the what-if basis. What if Vladimir Putin and or any other leader on the planet, what if they had some information of something that was done or allowed to be done or instigated by or just to be benignly allowed to happen and in doing that created a scenario that a world leader could blackmail another world leader with if that information were to get out in the open with evidence that backs it up. What if that were the case? And in the case that we're talking about now, what if Vladimir Putin and or Xi Jinping, the president of China, and even any other world leader, maybe Kim Jong-un of North Korea, maybe Boris in the UK, information or evidence of something that was wrongdoing, maybe illegal, maybe unethical, was done on the part of or allowed to happen on the part by Joe Biden. And what if that information was used through a surreptitious reach out to President Biden that said, if you don't do this, or if you do this, 
we're going to release this information that will destroy you or will destroy someone that you care about. You know exactly where I'm going with this. Hunter Biden, the debacle that came out that the social media giant stifled from beating any major national coverage during the campaign. Hunter Biden's involvement, by the way, in Ukraine in that exploration gas conglomerate, Burisma Holdings, where he had no experience in oil and gas, none whatsoever, had no experience in corporate operations, but he sat on the board and got paid $80,000 a month for Burisma Holdings. And then, of course, the infamous thing where Joe Biden bragged about it when he was vice president, the chief prosecutor in Ukraine was investigating Burisma Holdings where Hunter Biden served on their board of directors and was getting paid an unbelievably, horribly large amount of money for doing nothing. No explanation, by the way, has ever been given by the Biden folks explaining how Hunter was qualified for that. And then Joe goes over there and he's holding in his hand a loan guarantee that Barack Obama's government was going to guarantee for the government of Ukraine. They needed a bunch of money, and the only way they could get it would be if the United States would guarantee a loan. And so Joe goes over and he meets with the former president and says, hey, 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 if you don't fire that prosecutor that's going after my son's company, you can forget about that million-dollar loan guarantee that I've got in my pocket, you'll never get the money. And, oh, by the way, I'm leaving, going home in six hours, and if that prosecutor is not fired, you're not getting the loan guarantee, so you're not getting the money. And to put it in Joe's words, he said, we get ready to go? Son of a bee. He fired the prosecutor, and he got his money. What if that is not all there is to that story. And then there's the other thing. You do realize that Hunter Biden got a, I don't know if it was a loan, a gift or whatever, but $5 million cash from the wife of the former mayor of Moscow. We never got any explanation for what that was for, what it was about. And we also know through emails that were on that infamous Hunter Biden laptop and confirmed by a bunch of people, several of which were former partners of Hunter Biden in business, that a Russian oligarch, and what that means is that's one of Vladimir Putin's friends. You don't have a lot of money or keep a lot of money in Russia unless you're buds with Vladimir Putin. So that former mayor's wife had $5 million laying around loose. And she just on a whim said, hey, I'm going to send this to Hunter Biden. And then that Russian oligarch, he sent some other money to Hunter Biden. What if all of that intertwined and even other things rolled in that we don't know? What if that had anything to do with Vladimir Putin's ability to just continue trucking on his economy that's always in the tank and the Russian ruble, their currency is on the international markets at its lowest level in history. They're struggling. So what if, what if 
the President of the United States when an ally of his, Volodymyr Zelensky, the President of Ukraine, reaches out and said, will you help us? Will you help us? We're about to be invaded by Russia. Our people are going to die. We need help. We need military weapons. Will you do something? What if this was in the back of Joe's mind or he got a little whispered phone call or an email that said, if you do anything for Ukraine, the proof of these allegations that you were involved in a at least unethical money grab for your son from these Russian people, we're going to go public with it. Your administration will be destroyed. You'll be headed to the door, whether it's through impeachment or you decide to leave office. Do I have any proof of any of that being true? No, I don't. But where I'm from, if it quacks and waddles, it's always a duck. Where there's smoke, there's fire. Give me an educated explanation for why Joe Biden wouldn't cut SWIFT system access for Russia under these circumstances, and why would he, Joe Biden, not stop their oil business, their oil exports, shut it down overnight, and this president could do that. Instead, and by the way, at the same time, he could, by his actions, re-jump starting the oil industry here in the United States could, in a matter of days, drop the price of gasoline a dollar or so at the pump for you and me. He could do all of that by just doing that one thing. Why won't he do it? Give me another explanation. Give me another reason why he wouldn't do it. You just heard Peter Ducey ask Jen Psaki about it, and she had no answer. Of course, they always say, oh, we're taking actions in the marketplaces to ease the pain for the American people. They never tell us what they're doing, and none of it apparently, if they're doing anything at all, is working because the price of gas at the pump continues to go up. It's $5 a gallon today, this morning in Los Angeles. I just looked a moment ago to see who's listening in on the show. There's a bunch of people in California that are listening right now Do you think just maybe you're paying $5 a gallon at the pump today because of something Joe Biden did or didn't do because he was being blackmailed by a tyrant in Russia? I got to be honest with you folks. In my opinion, that is a, not just a distinct possibility. It gives the explanation, the only plausible explanation that I've heard anybody give for Joe Biden not doing anything. And folks, he's got a history. Look at his past. You do understand that he professionally never did anything outside of being a member, a political member of the government. Never. How much money does a senator make? $180,000 salary, expense account, Living in Washington, D.C., he didn't. He commuted every day, and he bragged about it. I get that from Delaware. But, folks, he owns five homes today. How is that possible? Five homes. I know some very wealthy people, and I think 
a lot of people, I consider them to be wealthy when they have a vacation home or they have a condo or a fishing camp or something like that. We're not talking about that. We're talking about houses around the country and around the world in exotic locations that cost millions. Think about the cost of maintenance and upkeep on all of those. Where did he get that money? Well, he makes $450,000 a year now as president. I get that. I get that. But he had all of this before he became president. Where did it come from? If it quacks and waddles, it's a duck. Man, we're running out of time. Just some news on COVID world. New Zealand's high court, guess what they said yesterday? Vaccine mandates, not justified. And it's a breach of New Zealand's personal rights. How about that? And then another bit of news. A top U.S. agency, the CDC, is getting blasted because they won't release the data that they have They won't let it go out there and let us know what went into the process of making these COVID-19 vaccines approved for emergency use authorization only. They won't give us any of the research data. Why do you think that is? Wow, and they're getting shelled every day. In my opinion, they never had any credibility. And it began when His Highness, the COVID God of all, Anthony Fauci, got up at the very beginning and started giving us all this stuff that he quote-unquote knew was factual. We must do this. You can't do this. And it was all wrong. Everything he told us, everything he told us was wrong and was proven by evidence over a period of time and by the deaths and the maiming and the serious illness of millions of Americans proved The CDC had no clue. We were told overnight the Biden administration will significantly loosen federal mask-wearing guidelines to protect against the COVID-19 transmission today. No fanfare, no press conference. Hey, here's what we're going to do, and we're going to do this because we understand The American people need a chance to live free. We haven't been letting the American people live free since we came to power. So we're going to change that. Aren't you excited that we're such good people? We'll do that. Well, there's some political news. If you call the U.S. Supreme Court political, big news this morning, Biden informally announced who he's going to nominate to replace Justice Breyer when he retires. Judge Kintaji Brown Jackson. Now, who is she? She's 51 years old, African-American. She's a judge for the U.S. Court of Appeals for D.C. Now, he's going to sometime today make the formal announcement marking the first Supreme Court pick of his presidency because Breyer announced his retirement. Brown Jackson... She's faced a lot of scrutiny over a judicial record that includes high-profile rulings later overruled by higher courts. Her record was a focal point a year ago during her confirmation for a seat on the U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals for D.C., where she now serves. She was said to be one of three candidates who was interviewed personally by the president. 
Supreme Court now dominated 6-3 by conservatives, and so they're changing that. They're changing that. we got to get some activist justices on the court. It's going to be interesting to watch and see how her confirmation hearings go. And as always, you can expect it's going to be contentious, that she's got stuff in her closet that uh, she doesn't want a lot of people to know is in there. But it's all going to come out. Guys, that's it for the day on TNN Live. Thank you so much for being here. Don't forget bullet points tomorrow. We wrap up with a synopsis of the biggest stories of the previous week. Grab a cup of coffee, maybe a donut or a beignet if you're in South Louisiana. And join us for our bullet point offering tomorrow morning at www.truthnewsnet.org. Until we get back together, have a wonderful weekend, folks, and we love you at TNN Live.
Oh, 